Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. Very excited today, as I always am, because we have amazing interviews on Amazing Business Radio. And this time, all the way, I believe, from Russia, Mikhail Namov, who's been in the U.S. since he was just a little boy. But I still, every once in a while when I'm talking to him, I detect an accent. He is the co-founder of a company called Digital Genius. Uh, He's also the chief strategy officer. And we met in Portland, Oregon. Uh, at an event uh, probably within the last six months or so, and it was a great customer experience event. And I was very intrigued by the company named Digital Genius, and then I found out that he's one of the leading voices in the human combined with AI, that's artificial intelligent movement, which focuses on a seamless interaction of uh, human and machine intelligence in different business applications. And, uh, you know, what's amazing, if it's done well, uh, you don't even realize you're dealing with AI. Sometimes you're you're flipped over to a human seamlessly when you're dealing with a chatbot because the artificial intelligence just knows, hey, I'm not quite as intelligent as I need to be. And uh, we give them the human experience. Anyway, I can go on and on about that, but we're going to let Mikhail tell a story. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you, Shep. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, I could have gone on and read all your accolades. One of my favorites is that uh, Forbes recommend uh, recognized you as a 30 under 30 for enterprise technology. Now, that's that's Forbes, not uh, some local community chamber of commerce or local newspaper. This is Forbes uh, and their esteemed technology council that recognize your passion for what it is that you do and what you're doing in, in this space. So uh, love having you here. A quick little background. Tell us about your company and how it got started. Yeah, absolutely, Chef. Well, I appreciate your kind words. Um, I think to your point of uh, local, global, all change starts initially at the local level. And as it did for us, when we started out building Digital Genius, it was, believe it or not, the first company that built the original chatbots for customers like BMW and Panasonic and Unilever. And it was just a few people, and we were running it out of London, England. And very quickly, we got to learn what the whole chatbot world is all about. This is about three years ago before all the chatbot hype kind of came over and hit everybody. Um, And we learned a few very important lessons in those days. Number one was that chatbots are very good at very narrow use cases. So, and we'll talk more about that later. And the second thing we learned is that we really should focus our attention as a business on one specific function. One thing that we can do to really help businesses make a difference, and we chose customer service and customer support as the area of focus. And then since then, I've spent the last three and a half years literally living inside contact centers, sitting alongside customer service professionals, agents, their managers, finding out what's important to them, what type of challenges are they facing in their day-to-day job, and, and what kind of tools do they have in front of them that are helping them accomplish their goals. And what we learned, unfortunately, is that in a contact center today, you know, the professional is operating with a modern-day equivalent of a paper and pencil. There is software in place. It's there. But but it forces them to do so many repetitive tasks, and it doesn't really lend itself to helping that 
individual that's in the customer service representative shoes really unlock their own human potential. And so Digital Genius was born initially as a way to help companies automate conversations with customers. But over time, as we spent more and more time inside these contact centers working with these businesses, we learned that machine learning and AI is first and foremost a tool that is empowering individual agents and their teams to be more productive and more effective in their everyday work. And hopefully, and eventually leading to a great customer experience. Yeah, and this is a huge point. Uh, I want to make because when we first started this conversation, I started off with chatbots. You started off talking about how your two big clients when you were over in London were two huge companies uh, recognized uh, for quality, recognized for their for what they what they you know uh, sell to the customers, and it was all about chatbots. But now you have flipped the switch to the other side, and I've talked about this before. Uh, AI, when you turn the initials around, are IA. So AI, artificial intelligence, becomes uh, the uh, intelligent assistant supporting the agent or whoever is working with a customer. And I think that's where you're getting to. Is that right? That's right. And we were fortunate, you know, Shep. We got that insight fairly early on in our business's existence. You know, we were doing these chatbots, and they were fantastic. Don't get me wrong. We helped BMW launch their new electric cars via a fully automated SMS chatbot. We helped Panasonic sell more TVs in the store. So there were some great use cases. But ultimately, we realized that when it comes to pure machine learning and all the, you know, recent advancements in in AI and in deep learning, you really – in order to put it in production, you really need to find areas where you can team it up with real people, real professionals, uh, essentially doing their work. So the combination is, is better than the sum of its parts, so to speak. All right. So, I mean, this I just, I'm, I'm so impressed. This is a sidebar. How does a startup company get BMW, Panasonic, Unilever? How do you get those clients when you're just starting up in a very, very competitive industry? Yeah, well, once again, three years ago, this was just all pure new stuff. No one really was thinking about it. Well, like, come on. You're competing I, against IBM and Watson. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest players in the game. They were there. Yeah, of course. They were there three years ago, and we were going head-to-head with them in a number of you know a number of clients. Now, the, the, I think the thing that really worked out for Digital Genius is very early on, we decided to narrow our focus significantly um, which is kind of different what all the other companies did. All Most of the other AI companies, so to speak, have tried to make this AI for everything. And for us, it wasn't really about that because AI in and of itself is not a solution. AI is a technology that enables product people and, and companies to build products that can solve problems and can help other people solve problems. So we focus on customer service. And I think it's a combination of that along with some, you know, hard work and some good old fashioned luck. We got in front of, you know, a bunch of really great brands. So today our software is powering over 30 contact centers around the world, including the likes of KLM and Unilever and many others that are, you know, considered to be innovators in the space of customer service. All right. So I think that what's happening here is we're, we're kind of exploding a myth that AI, artificial intelligence, is the customer communicating with the machine. And you're saying, no, 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 that's, that's part of it and, it, and it could be a big part of it, but the more important part, uh, the more important part is what it's, it doesn't appear to be to the customer because the customer never knows that AI is helping fuel the knowledge that the uh, agent has. Absolutely. And, look, I, I really believe in this saying, which is that as 
technology becomes more innovative. It becomes more invisible to the end user. And so at the end of the day, a typical customer going through their, going through some kind of challenge, whether it's with an airline or a bank or some product they purchase and they have questions about, they don't really need to know about the ins and outs of what goes into giving them the solution. They just want the best solution as quickly and effectively as possible. So technology is helping companies do that more effectively. And AI is a big part of that. So it's not magic. It's First of all, AI is pretty much purely math. It's mathematics. And what it does is it enables you to learn from historical events and historical experiences and historical conversation logs that have already taken place inside the contact center over the course of the last couple of years, convert those into essentially a machine learning model, and then use that model to either support the human agents that are sitting in the hot seat, whose job it is to answer your questions and help you get your problem solved, or in some cases, actually getting you the answer as an end user right away. So it doesn't even have to go to an agent if a question is simple or repetitive enough that the machine knows what to do with it. Right. I believe one of the first points you made is that uh, uh, it's it's very narrow in its use, and, and that's fine. I think you have to go narrow, deep, and complete before you can start to spread out because if you start to spread out and you're not – you're not complete with your answers. You're not good with your answers. The whole experience just falls apart. Um, I love this line. Uh, as technology becomes more innovative, it becomes more invisible to the end user. That, by the way, is a tweetable line that we'll give you credit yeah. for. <laughs> I think it's perfect. Um, great, great line. Uh, expand on that a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, here's here's what I want to know. If I'm an agent is the machine listening to the call and feeding me information, or do I have to ask the machine uh, by typing it out, you know, give me the answer to what the customer is asking me for? Great question, Shep. So a long time ago, we, we were, you know, running into these uh, these sort of questions in, in the field, and people are asking us that question. So wait, is this like a, my own personal theory that I'm an agent in a contact center and if a question comes in, I don't know how to answer it. Do I just have to like retype it and then it goes out to some black box and the black box gives me answers and then I have to recommunicate those answers back to the end customer? That's not what we set out to build. In fact, I think that's probably not the best approach. And it, it goes well with the line about technology being invisible is, hey, if you have to every time get an inbound question from a customer and then find, you know, go to some third-party tool, enter that question and try to get an answer, that's not very invisible. That's like extra time that you have to spend to get the answers. It's just a better version, I guess, of a searching for knowledge. That's not what we're after here. Like actual practical implications, implementations of machine learning will make it so that agents don't have to waste time looking for those answers. They won't have to ask those questions necessarily because when a challenge comes in or a query comes in from a customer, They'll see the question, but they'll also see a number of machine-suggested responses. And the, the machine learning algorithm has been trained on thousands of historical logs, if not more. It's learned from you know, hundreds of agents' experiences. So this would work for both you know, a, an agent just starting out as well as a senior agent where they no longer have to go and search for the answer. The machine is telling them, hey, this is a really good candidate for the answer for this question. And by the way, I'm 92% confident, so you might want to take a look at this and maybe personalize it before you actually approve it to be sent out. If you like it the way it is, that's fine. Just hit approve. But if you want to personalize and give it a, that human touch that c customers crave, you can do that right there inside the interface without having to go to some third-party application. Wow. So there's two things that are, uh, the, uh, I guess, concerning me here. Um, number one, 
is, and, we'll, and we're going to take a break in a moment, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to ask you so you have a chance to think about it when we come back. Number one, this sounds like expensive, long learning processes for the machine to figure it out. Thousands of customers, not hundreds of customers. I'm worried about how big or small, uh, where the entry point is for a company. Uh, number two, uh, what is number two? Oh, is AI going to take over the world? I mean, at a certain point in time, why do we even need the call center agent there? Because if if it's able to fairly accurately give an answer and we can perfect uh, the human voice with artificial intelligence, I mean, perhaps the interaction doesn't even need an agent. I want you to think about those answers, and when we come back from our break, those are the questions that we're going to address. You've been listening to Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Chef Hygen here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with uh, Mikhail Namoff, uh, who is with DigitalGenius.com, the co-founder and the chief strategy officer, the CSO. DigitalGenius.com. That's where you're going to find out more about his company. All right. Two questions I wanted to focus on. I'm going to let you decide which one we want to go uh, first on. You know what? I, the whole concept intrigues me about how artificial intelligence could be taking over people's jobs. I'm going to make people wait to hear the answer. I want you to tell us, though, now, size of the company, what's reasonable? I'm a very small company, four people. Do I need AI to help support me? What can I? At what point do I say, you know what, I need a solution? Yeah. No, it's a great question because the reality is that AI sounds like it's omnipresent and it's there and everyone should somehow tap into it. Um, that's what it sounds like. But the reality is that actually applications of machine learning and AI are quite segmented. So when it comes to smaller companies that are out there, you know, winning customers every single day, making them happy, giving them a great product or great experience, but, but they're smaller, the challenge around leveraging AI for smaller companies is that the amount of data that they have accumulated um, over the course of their, their company's history may be significantly smaller than the amount of data accumulated, let's say, in a telecom or an airline contact center, which gets hundreds of queries every single day. Maybe every and so part hour. Of, maybe every hour these <laughs> yeah. days. So part of what makes machine learning possible at scale is this abundance of historical data, which you can use to train the algorithm to help you out with whatever tasks you're performing. Now, th- that, that's kind of the, the reality, but here's the good news for small companies. Just because you don't have a contact center with 200 people or 1,000 people or 20 people collecting all this historical email transcript and chat log data doesn't mean you cannot leverage AI, some sort of AI, in your business every day. There are some solutions and products out there that make it possible and easy for small businesses and and smaller companies to actually implement some kind of AI. And I'll give you just one example. It's a company called X.AI, and maybe a lot of the folks listening may have heard of it already, but what it does essentially is it, it takes over all your scheduling over email. So whenever you want to schedule a meeting with a, with a friend or a colleague or somebody for business, 
business, you know, instead of going back and forth seven times trying to figure out the place, the time, and, you know, what the whole meeting, you know, getting people to confirm, you just CC this email address, uh, and the email address is a machine learning thing that has been trained on thousands and probably millions at this point of meetings that have gotten scheduled. And what it does is it takes over for you. You never have to talk to the person until that meeting is booked on your calendar and you're ready to go. So that's an example of what even an individual, either a small company or somebody in a big company can use to help make their everyday life just a little bit easier, or less stressful. Yeah, And I bet we're talking like $10 a month to utilize. This yeah, these function. types of, exactly. I mean, these it's types like nothing. Of, yeah, these types of solutions, I mean, they're not, they don't have to be expensive. A lot of people think, you know, AI is this big black box, going to cost a million dollars just to do a pilot or something. I mean, yeah, sure, there are companies that are offering that type of, you know, approach, but our approach really has been a software as a service. Look, you see what the software can do. You implement it for your team. Your agents have it, and as they have it, they're they're being more effective, more efficient. Your company is saving time in the contact center and obviously saving money. And then, if you're a smaller business and you're trying to leverage this, you know, email scheduling, for example, yeah, it's totally accessible. So I think that a lot of people think that AI. Uh, they don't even realize when they're interacting with AI. Uh, it, even if you use Outlook or Gmail and whatever mail goes into your spam filter, in a sense, I mean, there's not even in a sense. The reality of it is there's an AI uh, programmed function making that happen. Maybe they don't call it AI, but that's what's driving it. It's making a decision. Does this email belong in the spam filter or does it belong in the inbox? So I, I, and I, I, there's so many cases just like that. People just don't realize they're, they're interacting with AI. Absolutely. And just going off, off the top of that, Shep, is it's funny because when, in our personal lives, we get an email and we expect it to go to the spam filter. We expect it to go to that separate folder automatically. Right. We don't you know, we hopefully we don't have to look at a bunch of spam email every day because Google or Gmail, whoever is, you know, you're using for your email client has already figured it out and is automatically filtering these things. Now, translate that to the work of a contact center professional. Every day they're walking in and they're getting bombarded with thousands of messages. And when they open those messages, you think they can just begin answering the questions or solving the problems? No way. The first thing this agent has to do is they have to look at it. They have to think about what this is about. And then they have to go through this step-by-step process of manually filling out tags, drop-down menus, custom fields, things that will essentially categorize and tag up this incoming email so that it could be saved for later analytics, it could be routed to the right team member, and so on and so forth. Now, this statistically takes anywhere from 10 to 35% of average handling time for an email, depending on you know how your contact center is set up. But talk about time being robbed from these people that are out. I mean, they have a human-level intelligence. They should be focused on human-level intelligence tasks, not tagging and manually routing or categorizing inbound emails. And that's where machine learning really comes in to help. So I love, I love it. I love it. And, and again, I'm just thinking, I use a company called SaneBox for my uh, email management system. And, and what it does is I train the sane box. It, you know, it's like it keeps me sane. My inbox, things come into my inbox, either stay in my inbox or get routed to junk mail or spam filter, whatever you want to call it. Then some get routed to uh, newsletters because it recognizes it's a newsletter. Some get routed to what the, it's called sane later. It thinks this is something that probably doesn't need to be addressed right away. But I go in and whenever I move one of those items to the inbox, the machine remembers, always put this email from this email sender 
in the inbox. And that's artificial intelligence at work, learning it on the most basic level, costing me, I think I pay like 80, 90 bucks a year. So like $8 a month. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. Big question before we take the break. I want to know, is AI going to overtake the world? Mm, yeah, that's a popular one. Lots of folks out there sort of in the news talking about how AI is either a threat or a superpower, what it is and what it is not. So um, our view is pretty simple. I mean, we've got PhDs in machine learning, mathematics, physics, working on these problems and challenges every single day in our company. And around those research folks, we've built a team of product people that take that research and bring it to a practical product reality inside contact centers. And here's what we've learned. A lot of the stuff that you see portrayed in Hollywood about AI is, is simply not going to happen definitely for a few decades, if ever. And so, you know, folks will argue about this all day. They'll say, no, you know, robot apocalypse is coming, you know, in five years, <laughs> no, it's in 10 years. You know, the reality is what we see every day. Artificial intelligence is not magic. It's just math. And this math can be applied in really, really clever ways to help make the work of professionals easier, more effective, and more more meaningful, to be honest. Because at the end of the day, you've got Millions of people around the world employed as a contact center or customer service professional, and they're coming in, and unfortunately, still, they're using tools that make them do things that don't really require you know, their, full, their full mental being to be involved. It's like this repetitive stuff that we get stuck with, copy-pasting out of Word documents, searching knowledge bases, tagging cases. That's the type of stuff that AI is addressing today. And in that regard, it is going to be a big deal. It is going to create a big movement in, in the world of business in different verticals, not just customer service and support. But when it comes to this, like, threat that we see and we hear being talked about, sure, there are some big questions about the existential risk of AI, but I think a lot of that is still in the conceptual arena and it's being talked about and uh, it's, we're not really seeing much practical application about AI taking over the world, so to speak. So will it take over the business world? Absolutely. Will it happen in the way that they show in movies? Probably not. <laughs> I, I liken it to uh, one of my favorite. I've got two, two analogies to this. And this, the first is when ATMs came out, they thought, well, that's the end of the teller. ATM, mm. uh, the ATM machine did not kill the tellers. <laughs> and and no. uh, video did not kill the radio star. <laughs> that's for sure. I agree with that one. That's a great song, by the way. <laughs> so here's the, uh, yeah, completely agree with you. Look, there's this thing going on right now, which is that, if you go into an accounting firm and you take away all the calculators and then you expect accountants to be able to perform their, their job without calculators, it's like, wh what are they going to do? Same thing. You go into a bank and you talk to a bunch of you know, banker analysts and you take away their Excel models. They don't have the right tool. And so that's kind of what's, what's happening in, in the customer service space is that you know, we, machine learning is going to become a table stakes item that everybody must have, every company needs to have in order to really show their employees and empower their employees to get to get their job done. It'll be like a calculator or a keyboard on a desk. Right. Love it. It's a tool. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to just cover up a few more questions. And, uh, Mikhail, I want you to think about the one thing question. I warned you about it. The one thing that you absolutely know this audience has to understand and know about before we get out of the show. All right. We've been talking with uh, Mikhail Namov, and he's with Digital Genius, and you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We're coming right back. 
Want to amaze your customers, impress the people you work with, and outshine your competition? Going from average to amazing isn't an out-of-reach goal. In fact, amazement is a habit that anyone can master. In my latest book, Be Amazing or Go Home, I share the secrets behind my mantra, which is to always be amazing. Drawing on the routines of incredible people, I share simple practices that can elevate your game. Once you master those habits, you'll be able to create trust, build stronger relationships, make sales, advance your career, and much more. Now is the time to step out of ordinary and step into being amazing. Be Amazing or Go Home is now available on Amazon.com in ebook and hardcover. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Mikhail Namov. And uh, gosh, the landscape of, of artificial intelligence, it ranges from the most basic. Uh, and I always thought that AI from the customer service standpoint is interacting with the customer and giving them basic information to handling lower level. I believe you use, use the word narrow use functions, but lower level type functions like change of address, updating credit cards. But you took it to a whole nother level when you said, hey, it's really supporting the agent. That's the best tool it can be used for. And then to the extreme, uh, the futuristic view of AI, if it's anything that Hollywood has to say, there's going to be robots running our lives. And we're going to have no idea they're robots. It's crazy. I think Will Smith starred in a few of these uh, movies. <laughs> yes, he did. That. I robot. That was, a, that was a nice one. That was a good one. Anyway, so what's the landscape of AI look like? Yeah, so the way we see it is like we imagine it like a a spectrum or a timeline. And on the left side of this timeline is the low-level intelligence or the no-intelligence applications. Um, Very frequently, they manifest themselves in the form of a scripted, rule-based chatbot. And you'll see that these things really spiked and and became really interesting and exciting and kind of got hyped up over the course. This started happening at the end of 2016 with all major platforms from Facebook to Google to others adopting their own chatbot stores and chatbot building marketplaces. And the challenge around this sort of limited intelligence use case is that these bots need to be scripted up front. You have to go in there and essentially program the bot. You don't have to code, but you have to essentially linguistically program the bot to be able to understand and recognize all the different types of questions that might be that a customer might be asking you. Now, you know, it sounds like a pretty easy job if you're focusing on a narrow use case, like maybe ordering a pizza or telling you what the weather is outside. But when it comes to the complex issues that we face every single day inside of a contact center, simple rule-based chatbots simply don't measure up. And they simply will not do the process end-to-end that today takes people to do. So that's the low-level intelligence on the left. Nevertheless, these chatbots do have functionality in more narrow use cases. They can be used as notification triggers when you want to say, let's say, send a boarding pass to a customer or alert somebody when their gate has been changed from one to the other when they're at the airport. These are things that a chatbot could be scripted to do really effectively and can actually create value for people. Now, on the whole other side of the intelligence spectrum is this stuff called Hollywood AI, which, Shep, you just alluded to. And this is the stuff we see in movies. Now, let's dig a little deeper. What's actually 
powering those movies? In other words, what's actually giving those producers the ideas? Well, I'm sure a lot of it is their own creativity, right, and their love for science fiction. But a lot of it today is actually being propelled by the research and the work being done inside big corporations like Google's DeepMind and Facebook's AI Research Lab and lots of different organizations around the world that have taken some of the brightest minds with PhDs and double PhDs in machine learning and have put them up to task to figure out what can this stuff actually lead to, you know, and what, how do we really push the envelope on what's possible with machine learning. So that stuff is pretty much all research today, and you can see competitions being hosted for this type of AI research. But at the end of the day, most of it is not yet applicable in the world of business. So we have it here on the research side, we have it in Hollywood, but it's not really happening in the business. Now, in the middle of the spectrum is an area we like to call practical intelligence. This is where you can take the best combinations of human and machine intelligence and bring it together in a seamless environment so you can create better experiences for people, as in the case of customer service. This is where we've spent pretty much three and a half years of our lives is figuring out how do we take the best stuff from the research world and how do we how do we package it into a product that can deliver value at scale, in our case, inside contact centers. Wow. So amazing, amazing. All right. We're almost out of time. Uh, and, you know, I set you up for the one thing question. So I'm going to ask it now. What's the one thing you want to either reemphasize or some some new little nugget here that you haven't talked about before? What is it you want our listeners to absolutely remember when we're finished with the show? Absolutely, Chef. I think just one thing. We, you know, we all hear about AIs coming. You know, it's going to transform the contact center. Here's the reality: it's already here. You know, our product alone is powering over 30 contact centers globally. I bet there's many other companies out there helping other companies as well. The bottom line is AI has become table stakes for businesses. And the first place where we see it happening most is inside of the contact center for two reasons. Number one, abundance of historical data, which you can use to train the machine learning algorithm, and two, the obvious use case for a good return on investment. Okay, So if there's one thing I would love for this audience to remember is that AI is here and it is already table stakes, and that the agents and the professionals that are showing up to work every day inside your contact center are going to be asking and soon expecting this type of technology to help them do their job. Wow. You've been listening to Mikhail Namov at Digital Genius, and he is the co-founder and CSO, but I'm going to change the S to a G. He is the chief genius officer. This guy, I'm telling you, Mikhail, <laughs> you're, you're like uber smart off the chart. You, 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 you know, the, the answers, unbelievable answers to these questions. I should just wind you up and let you go like the uh, Everetty Energizer bunny because uh, you've got a lot to share with us. <laughs> Thanks for That's being on funny. the show. Well, of course, Chef. My pleasure, and I hope it's been useful to the folks that are tuning in. Oh, it's awesome. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. All right, everybody, that's another great show. And if you uh, remember to do what I always tell you to do, you will do it, and that is to simply be this. Until we talk next time, I want you to always be amazing. And there you have it, another amazing interview on Amazing Business Radio. Kel, you are amazing. Thanks for being on the show, and everybody, thanks for listening. This is Chef Hike, and until next time, reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.